Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Worshing. Our guest today is Joe Messenger, CFP, CHFC, CLU, and co-founder and director of college planning for Capstone Wealth Partners. Joe's target market is families with college-bound teenagers. And specifically, Joe helps families who cannot qualify for needs-based aid figure out how they will pay for their kids' college education as part of a comprehensive financial planning engagement. Toward that end, Joe is recognized nationally as an expert in college funding strategies and actually trains other advisors on how to become experts themselves. Our conversation is dense with great ideas and advice on developing a niche, whether or not it happens to be related to college funding. We talk about the importance of defining your target market using characteristics your clients will recognize among their friends. We talk about what makes for effective resources you can offer to attract referrals. He describes how to develop strategic partners who will refer you, and how to become the one at the party people want to meet. Here's a hint, it's not by calling yourself a financial advisor. Be sure to stay through to the end where Joe describes the importance of being passionate about the niche you choose and how that can propel you to be even more compelling and attract more clients and referrals. And so without further delay, here's our conversation with Joe Messenger. So Joe Messenger, welcome to the Becoming Referrable podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to do it. So you're an expert in the college planning area of financial planning. So what what kinds of things distinguish an advisor who's an expert at that uh, versus somebody who's not? Um, I think uh, for us, we really would say we we are college planning, but it's really the college funding. Um, I think most advisors know how to save for college, and we're really focused on how to help families actually pay for college, which I think is kind of the missing piece um, that a lot of advisors maybe don't have a ton of um, knowledge or education on. And a lot of times it's not their fault. It's really not part of the curriculum uh, that we go through getting into the business. Okay. I'm interested. We're going to ask you a lot about the details of this, but I'd love to know why why you went down this path and, and, and really built expertise in this area. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story of how we got here. Um, my background for uh, about eight or nine years was with some large uh, firms, uh, large broker dealers before, uh, and then we're looking to go independent and serve folks in this space. And really it came about... I was an advisor for almost 10 years and I started getting questions from my friends as I was in my early 30s uh, that were graduating from MBA school, doctors, uh, dentists, those types of, that had significant amounts of student loan debt. Uh, And they came to me and said, hey, you're a financial advisor, help me with this. And I said, we, I have no idea how to handle this. (laughs) And I realized pretty quickly that, you know, and I would ask around and ask CPAs and you know, other top advisors that I had talked to in our firms and, and really nobody had any solutions. And the other piece to that was, uh, I, I realized that it's for those folks, it's 100% reactive. There was no proactive approach to how to figure out a reasonable student loan amount or how to actually pay for college before they signed Interesting. up. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, so, so what did you do at that point? What, what, what was your next step once you found that out? So yeah, we kind of uh, myself and my partner uh, with Capstone Wealth Partners, we kind of said, you know, let's let's look at. We wanted to create an independent firm. We said, let's serve college-bound families. Um, and kind of at that point, we said, but we'd rather be on the proactive side, so helping families when they've got a freshman, sophomore, junior in high school, set affordability parameters, help them navigate the whole process with student loans and tax credits and financial aid and all those pieces of the puzzle. So. 
From there, we launched Capstone, uh, which is the, the name, as you can tell, Capstone Course and all those pieces uh, really kind of, it, it was uh, intentional from the beginning to be an independent fee-only firm serving college-bound families um, from there. So that's really how we got started and um, it's uh, it's grown from there. And so, so tell, tell us a little bit about um, what that's meant in terms of your, I mean, we're going to jump directly to this because I'd like to then build back from it, but tell us a little bit about your experience at getting referred now that, you know, once you established Capstone and and what kind of an effect that's had on your business. Um, I really can't express enough how, like the importance we talk about having a niche market, but um, the, the beauty for us is that we get uh, referrals and introductions from people that no other financial advisors are talking to. Um, I don't think a lot of financial advisors get, you know, a half dozen referrals from ACT prep companies and career counselors uh, on, a, on a monthly basis. So for us, uh, those types of folks, and as well as our clients, um, they don't need to know anything about the family's finances other than that they have a college-bound teenager. So for us, the referability part, that, that's all they need to know about that family. And everybody that's in that position, um, it, it's a, it, you know, they know other folks that are similar to them and usually in a similar socioeconomic. So uh, it's made it pretty, pretty easy. But um, also, the, the, I think the thing with the niche and, and really having a focus is it allows you to know where you're going to get up and go to work every day. Whereas if you're a generalist, you really kind of wake up and sometimes feel unemployed and you don't know how to approach things where for us, we can really be very targeted uh, on who we reach out to, who you connect with. Uh, and our message is very succinct. Uh, and we don't try to serve everyone. And we, uh, we really focus our everything from, uh, you know, our, our, our marketing, our business development, our client acquisition, and our client service is all around helping this one particular group. So I'm, and, and I'd like to, I'm sorry, Julie, I ju, I'd, like, I'd like to highlight one thing that you just said, Joe, and because I think it's so important. And um, you were talking about um, the only thing that people need to know to be able to refer you effectively is that they have a college-bound teenager. And, you know, there are so many advisors who create their target client with, with uh, characteristics that their clients wouldn't necessarily know about uh, about their friends, like their net worth or their income or those kinds of things. And I just, I, you know, if you, if you could talk for a minute or two about, you know, the fact that the, the reason to refer you, the thing that qualifies you to be their financial advisor is something that's obvious to their friends and how important that is. Can you talk about that a little more? Yeah, I think because for us, uh, when we're talking with clients, our, our, you know, I'd say our most powerful thing that we do is our, is our weekly newsletter that's extremely targeted. Um, and it's all just about providing tremendous resources for families that are college bound. And I think that kind of, we always say, come from a place of abundance, um, give, give, give. Those are the, the right fit. They're going to say, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to book a college strategy session with these guys. Um, I heard about them from, you know, a friend at school, you know, a, a friend. And I heard about them through this other channel um, of other thought leaders in different spaces. So it really just makes things, I think, much easier easier for folks to go to our website. And the other piece, when we talk about referrals from clients or our centers of influence, we always say just, you know, let them know about our free resources, send them to our website uh, and let them kind of explore there. Um, Cause I think it's a, it's a big hurdle for us to ask clients to, Hey, give me the phone number and email of, you know, your best friend that uh, is, is a potential client. Whereas if you have your website and your, and everything's built out, um, I think that's really important to give them an easy access point so that they can come in without with a low hurdle 
uh, and just and let that let their friend or colleague make that decision to book an appointment. So you've obviously done a great job at creating shareable content, which, you know, is so important, right? Because, I mean, if you think about it, it's about a subject that we actually want to share information on. I've never sent a friend an article on an investment strategy. I just haven't, you know, and I'm sure there are others who have, but I do send articles on parenting or college savings or, you know, financial literacy or, or all of these things. So you're kind of, you're hitting it's, and it's not only, I think Steve, you know, you highlighted that, that great point that Joe made. And I would, I would also say it's not only simple, but this is what people actually talk about, right? It's a subject that, that friends talk to friends about. So do you, do you also find that you're, you're just getting more referrals because of those kinds of conversations? Yeah. And I, I, I say it this way often when I'm talking to other advisors, I say, if you go to a cocktail party or some kind of event or gathering, nobody wants to talk to the financial advisor, <laughs> but everybody wants to talk to the college guy. You know, and that's how I say, you know, I don't introduce myself as as a financial advisor anymore. I say I help I help parents pay pay less for college. You know, so there's a very different dynamic. So we say, oh, what's tell me more about that. Or uh, so, you know, it's it's uh, it's created a, a much easier entry point to create conversations um, because, like you said, sharing an investment article. These parents aren't concerned with how they're invested until they can figure out how to pay for college, until they can get their heads around how I'm going to pay for four years of college for my three kids. That's going to be a hundred to $300,000 each. Uh, I can't really, I don't really want to talk about the investments until I figure that out. And do you, so, I mean, the, the very focus of your business sounds incredibly like a Google search term as well, right? I mean, this is the kind of thing people would be looking for information online. Do you, uh, do you see a lot of um, prospects just coming uh, cold because of what they're looking for? Uh, we do, uh, we do get a fair bit of traffic, but I would say that, um, you know, the, um, if they're referred or they find us through another channel, um, the, the runway is much shorter. They're much more likely to book, to book in more quickly. Yeah. Um, because of that link credibility. And I think, uh, we've been very fortunate to have some great partners that have positioned us, you know, as their college funding expert kind of on their team, um, independent counselors and ACT prep folks that, you know, if they see us on their blog or we've guested there, that really allows people to kind of um, find us and, and make it, I just think, quicker. Yeah. But we certainly have people that have found us on the Internet. But I think the the referrals, you know, or introductions or seeing us somewhere else is really what drives our traffic. Mm. Joe, can you talk a little bit about um, how to develop relationships with those kinds of partners? Yeah. And I think just kind of talking about being in a in a niche market in general, we you know, if we look at kind of how it, how it can work, it comes back to um, three key things. Like when we talk about, because I've done a lot of work around, like how do you develop a good niche, regardless if it's college planning or another, but I think you've got to be, have the technical expertise. So you've got to be the real deal. And that comes from, you know, creating blogs and going out and really um, doing the work. Um, I also think the other important piece there is kind of the behavioral and emotional side of whoever you're serving. So understanding where they're at, we, we deal with a very um, emotional topic, which is paying for college. A lot of times there's guilt or fear around that. Um, so, you know, if you're working with uh, divorced folks or you're working with uh, transition in a business, liquidity events, whatever those are, understand some of the behavioral and emotional side so you can connect with folks. Um, and then that last piece, it comes back to 
is it is it marketable and profitable for you to get into that space? So those kind of three all have to work as far as getting back in uh, and making sure you know that it is a good niche for you. Do you want to work with them? Can you become a subject matter expert in, in that area? So not just with our niche, but I think that's true of all uh, as far as you know being able to get in with folks because because the the referrals or the the building the network it's finding people that also work with those types of families. Um, and, and we're just in a really unique position because no other financial advisors talking to these folks. So as we've built out our resources, we've provided them with good resources and walked them through our process, which I think it's really important. You know, if you're going to build relationships with centers of influence, if they can understand a process and, and the light bulb can go off, um, that that's really what helps develop a strong relationship and then continuing to feed them uh, kind of as we were talking about with re- just really good free resources uh, that they can continue to share. Okay. Yeah. So you talked you talked about um, technical expertise and, and behavioral and emotional uh, understanding. So, I mean, I assume those are some of the competencies that you think are really important if you're going to develop a niche in in this area. Are there others that that you consider critical uh, to, for the college funding piece? Yeah. Um, I, I think you really, you know, we work with, we're working right now with Gen X and I think it's important that you want to work with people at that phase of life. The reality is that the financial planning we do, I think is actually much more in depth. So if, if you really want to work with this group of people, I think you have to, you know, meet them where they're at, understand, but also, you know, our, our average client age is, uh, in their mid forties, whereas most advisory firms, it's 20 years older than that. So if that's a group you want to work with, if you want to work with Gen X, I think that's important just to understand there is some extra work that comes along uh, with being in this space because of the detail that it takes uh, to do college funding the right way. Now, the, the folks that you're working with, uh, are they typically those who haven't sought out professional advice uh, before and this is their first foray into that? Or are you taking clients away from other advisors because of this specialty? Um, I would say it's a, it's a combination. Uh, but I would say our, it, you know, if we're a niche within a niche, our true space that we serve are those that are kind of what we would call the, the mass affluent with college bound and those that won't qualify for financial aid, need-based financial aid. So we are working with higher income uh, affluent and just because of the communities that we target. So, I mean, I think we're, you know, like a, a niche within a niche because there's plenty of information and resources on uh, how to help people that to get more financial aid. And, and a lot of that revolves around insurance based and hiding assets. And that's not really what we see. Most of our folks that makes very little, if any impact. So, so when we're meeting with people, I would say probably the majority of them have worked with professionals in some capacity be it for an IRA or some insurance or whatever those pieces are. And a lot of times the way that we position that is, you know, if you're open to a second opinion, uh, you know, how does that, how does that look? So when we talk to them, I say, what's you and your advisor's current plan to pay for all four years of college for all three of the kids down to the penny? And the answer I always get is, well, they don't really do that. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, it's, it's not really that difficult for us at that point to say, well, you know, our process is built to give you a, a second opinion and we've got a, we think a, you know, a very reasonable three meeting uh, process that'll, you know, let you know what we would do given the opportunity going forward. Is that your college strategy session or is that a different thing? So the college strategy session, it's really, that's kind of our free discovery call. Okay. 
Um, but where it leads with almost everybody is, you know, we have a, we have a script that we go through. Um, I'm pretty big on scripts and process and all that stuff. So, um, that college strategy session, uh, we, we have found that when parents call, that's what they want to talk about. So, um, you know, and answering other pressing questions, um, and be willing to do that at, a, at some capacity. I always say, you know, this is guidance, not advice, you know, because until you're a client, we can't do that. Um, but, you know, answer questions they have in general uh, and then lead them down the path to um, like our approach is a little bit different. Or I don't think it's different, but, you know, we're firm believers that we want our clients to understand the trade-offs of college and retirement. Uh, and how to make all that work together, not just college in a silo. Yeah, so if I could build on what, what Julie was just asking, you know, to what, how many of the people who come to you who've worked with some other kind of advisor just, util, just utilize you for the college funding, and then how many may move from another advisor as a result of that college funding planning experience and, and become uh, a broader client for you? That's a good question, too. So... Um, when we were getting started, uh, we did college planning just as a standalone service. Uh, so we would work with folks from kind of whenever they came on to getting their kids off to college and paying those first bills. Uh, but at probably about two and a half, two and a half to three years ago, we really said we just want to work with ideal clients. And our ideal clients are those that don't want just college help. They also want all the broader advice. So when we bring folks on, we actually no longer have a standalone service for college planning. It's either, you know, we work with you, we'll develop a financial plan uh, and we want to help you with all, all aspects. So we've just kind of said, you know, if, if that's, if you're just looking for college funding, I've got folks that I can refer you to, but we, we're looking for only comprehensive relationships at this time. And so what proportion of your clients end up coming, uh, doing the whole thing because they don't have an advisor and what proportion move from another advisor to take advantage of that service of yours? Uh, I'd say it's probably uh, two thirds would be folks that have some kind of advisor and maybe a third haven't really worked with an advisor in the past. Okay. I had to kind of peg it just to kind of know him because that's probably about the mix. So I just, one of the things that I, you said you love process and scripts and whatnot. And I think that that kind of comes out. I mean, you talk about a, a college strategy session, there are three, three meeting process, I, I, I think it's brilliant that it is all packaged in such a way. I mean, that's easy for me to say, I'd like to participate in that free session uh, versus feeling like I'm making, and it's specific and it's focused, right? I'm not making a bigger commitment. Um, I mean, is that how you think? Was that an intentional way of building the business? Did you just figure some of that out as you went? We definitely figured it out as we went, uh, but I think early on, what we said was, you know, being a fee-only practice, and I was coming from a, you know, where I sold a lot of products that, you know, were, you know solved a problem. So, um, and I really kind of early on said, if we can package this and productize a service, yeah, uh, help people be able to kind of see, because it's hard to sell the value of financial planning. Um, and, and so we always said, like, how can we package this and put, position ourselves so that they are buying a package at a, at a reasonable entry point because our goal is to get them as clients for life. Um, so we're willing to lose a little money on the front end if they you know, bring their assets to us and grow with us and grow their wealth with us over the long term. So that has been pretty intentional uh, from the beginning to kind of, like I said, try and productize what we're offering and give people a, a ton of value on the front end uh, and engage them for life. And do, do you productize your whole process or primarily the college funding piece of it? Uh, really the whole process. So we, we have built out what we call our foundational planning piece that is a 
It's a three meeting process. We call it get organized, get a plan and get ahead. So those three meetings are very structured where we're going through college, retirement and investing uh, and helping them understand how all those three work together. Uh, and we specifically say we're not going to get into tax and estate uh, and insurance. We're just going to focus on these three core to get us started, because to be honest, that's what most people are really focused on, um, it, you know, in our in our space. Uh, so so we've kind of packaged that and made it so it's a it's a scalable thing that we can do the same process every time with every client. OK. It's obviously a unique plan, but that's that's kind of how it's allowed us to really, you know, create our, you know, our funnel, so to speak, and make sure we know where people are at. And in the last, we don't even talk about investments, honestly, until the last meeting of that process. Okay. And I, I'm going to want to jump back a, a couple of times just to pick up on things you said before. One, one, of them, one of them was to talk about a niche within a niche and that you're not looking for everybody who's looking for college financial planning assistance or college funding assistance. You're looking for the people who otherwise couldn't really um, qualify as easily for needs-based assistance. And, and so how does that sound when you describe it to people? I mean, did when you describe what you do, does it become clear? Does that distinction become clear? Yeah, I think once they understand, um, we, we walk them through. We've got a pro, our college pre-approval is our process, which is helping people get their budget uh, and to set their affordability parameters long before they go shopping for college. Sounds like a novel idea, but college pre-approval, we think it should, college should be pre-approved just like a mortgage. Um, you know, and the other thing I say is, you know, there's a reason I don't test drive Lamborghinis. It's because I can't afford them yet. <laughs> um, so, you know, so with college though, we're getting 18 and 19 year olds, uh, you know, a free ticket. We're letting them visit all these amazing colleges before they even, you know, mom and dad have even had the discussion about what's affordable. And then bring the student into that conversation. Um, and what we see happen, the worst thing that can happen is the student does all the work and they get into Cornell or Yale or Stanford and mom and dad find out that those schools are going to cost them 70000 plus per year. Um, telling that student no at that time is not great. So we kind of have this process say, look, the government's going to tell you what they think you can afford. And I can tell you it's never happened that people say, yeah, that's exactly what we think we can afford. So we work in this space where... They go to financial aid night at the high school, and that was great, but I got absolutely no value out of it. So all I found out was I'm going to get nothing, and they don't help them beyond that. And that's where we pick up where that stuff leaves off and even partner with those uh, high school folks and people in that space because we work in an area that they're really not versed in, which is the tax side and the financial aid policy of different institutions and all those types of things. And I'd, I'd like to get even more granular on that. If you're, you know, you like you were saying, you know, if, if, if you announce yourself as the financial advisor at the party, you know, that'll subjugate you to the corner. But um, is there anything that, um, that you say at that point where, you know, people understand the distinction or is it just the college funding expert and we'll leave it to get into a conversation before they understand the nuance of for people who otherwise couldn't qualify for needs-based aid. Yeah. So I think uh, whenever I would say that, you know, I'm a college planning expert or college funding expert, people always go, Oh, like 529 plans. And I'm like, well, not exactly. Cause I actually haven't, I haven't sold a 529 plan in over a decade. So our 529 and college savings plans, part of what we work with. Yes. But it's actually not something when we, the folks we work with, uh, it's actually figuring out how to fill the rest of the gap. And that's what usually clicks with folks because, um, you know, saying, you know, it's not just about college savings, about how to pay for college, not just save for college. And that kind of helps distinguish. And that's where you can really engage people that are like, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, 
um, you know, how do you fill the gap? Maybe you've got twenty five thousand and a five twenty nine, but the schools you're looking at cost one hundred and fifty thousand over four years, uh, and that's a that's a pretty big gap. So how do we how do we fill that? Right. Um. Th- sorry, was there something else you were going to ask, Steve? Because I, I was going to I was going to pivot a little there. I don't want to. Yeah. Well, I, the other the other thing was to pick up Julie on something that you had said before about about scripting and process and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so, the um so it sounds like the 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 bridge from. Uh, or either into that introductory session or from the introductory session to a relationship is, is scripted out. How, um, how scripted out is your onboarding process? Once people commit to becoming a client, you know, how structured is what you, what you do with them and what you say to them? I think it's, I, we were pretty methodical just because we've been doing it for several years the same way now. Um, but I think it starts even before they book that discovery call. Um, I'm really big on one to many before we do one to one. So, you know, doing a webinar or uh, doing a, I, I really only do engagements now where I'm brought in as the expert. And I think that's important positioning wise. Um, so other folks bringing us in um, and promoting it. And then the ones we do ourselves, they're all promoted through our different partners. So like I said, one to many, you know, we're, you know, our targets, we want to get 75 to hundred people on a webinar uh, first and let them elect in if they want to have that call. Um, you know, that, that initial call. But I think the initial calls are much more impactful if they've seen kind of the basics of what we cover and understand our process. So it lets them know our college funding and kind of how we work. It's kind of a, a commercial, but also a lot of education. Uh, like I said, that way, as they come in, uh, we're able to say, you know, what was it about the event that made you want to book in for the call? And that's a really great way to get started. So from there, uh, and then it's, you know, our process is built out that, you know, after that call, we'll send out an electronic agreement that they can review and let us know if they have questions and it's all signed and done online. And then all the all of the booking for the uh, the, the three meeting process is all uh, done electronically as well. So we use technology a lot. Great. Thanks. Go ahead, Julie. Yeah. So I, w- I was interested. You talked about, um, you know, obviously having technical expertise as, as a way in which you're differentiated, a way you set yourself apart. Does the fact that you are focused in this uh, or on this niche influence other parts of your business? So, you know, does it influence who you hire, how you train them? Uh, does the fact that you're dealing with uh, people in their 40s influence your office environment, the way you communicate? Um, anything else that you've done to support the niche? Yeah. Um, and I would say uh, the attention to detail is my partner, Ryan, that is uh, extremely detail-oriented. And actually, uh, for the vast majority, uh, I don't work uh one-to-one with clients anymore a lot of that work is going to him and the rest of the team so but yeah like our i think even when we redesigned our office a few years ago it was really designed with we can make this more elegant and modern as opposed to you know we don't have lighthouses and compasses around our office (laughs) (laughs) you know we've got a you know a map of the united states and you know that has the because when we're talking about college, we talk about what areas are you looking at and different schools and have those kind of posted up there. So we've done different things around that that really is focused on, you know, having a great office environment that's not stuffy, you know, playing music instead of having a MSNBC up on a screen. There's no screens uh, in our lobbies. It's just some nice, uh, nice music. And then, you know, and that's very intentional uh, from an environment standpoint, um, you know, wood floors and we've got a stonewall backdrop. So it's, it really is designed for 
you know, I think a more modern, elegant look. Um, so that that's definitely been an impact. Uh, and then as far as our team, uh, just the, the natural osmosis is that we find people to work on the team that also have uh, college bound uh, folks. So, you know, the folks that work with us, work with me on my copy and help with our newsletter, like all those pieces, they were, uh, there are other folks that may have been a good fit, but because they understand the points we're trying to get across, it made them stand out as far as who we were going to hire. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, Joe, that you had said before was the importance of understanding the emotions of your target client. And so how has that been reflected in this experience that you've built for them? Now that we've talked a little bit about, you know, how you designed it and what your processes are like, how, how is the the understanding of their emotions reflected in it? Yeah, it's um, it, it really is an emotional topic. So we have kind of our what I've uh, built out and what I coach advisors on now is how do you how do you get them to uh, understand where they're at? Because a lot of times there is kind of some guilt uh, and some guilt that they haven't done enough and some fear that they're not going to be able to do enough for their student and how they make up the difference. So we really I think it's awesome for us because we're able to uh, we say uh, we want to meet with parents first. We'll bring in the student later to have a conversation. But from an emotional standpoint, one of the things we do right off the bat is Tell me how, tell me about your college experience if you went to college for mom and dad. And we say, you know, where did you go? How was it paid for? Um, did you take out any student loans? What was your applications like? What was your major? Um, and the whole thing there is by the end of, by asking both of them, mom may have had it all paid for by her, by her parents, whereas dad had to work for six years and do it part time and take out some loans. Uh, and they've never had the conversation about really having a philosophy for their kids. So in coming and having clarity, because that's a very different perspective they come from. So, you know, are the kids going to work during school, you know, all those pieces of the puzzle. So it really helps us understand the, from a perspective of what would they like to do for, for their kids before we even get into all the finances. It's just, let's understand where you went to school. And it also leads to what do they do for a living and how did they get there and kind of how college influenced that. And then the other beautiful part of that is uh, we then ask, you know, tell us about your student. And who doesn't want to talk about their kids? I do incessantly yeah. talk about <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah. So, so we have, a, I think, a, we have a very uh, engaging meeting that we really don't get to the finances until the end where we're kind of just talking about, let's talk about what you have done as far as what your plan has been to date for saving for college. So that's kind of connecting with them and understanding. And then, and then you can really build that bridge because when we come – I always say at the end of a meeting, the logical next, next step is that working with us is the best thing for you. Yeah. Yep. That's It's such a rich area for, for conversation and deep conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, I can, I can see how th this would just create a level of, of trust um, perhaps faster than many conversations would. Yeah. And I think the, the polls are all out there, but if Gen X is uh, it's, it's uh, become pretty, pretty much a steamroller over the last five years that the number one financial concern of Gen X is how to pay for college for their kids, those that have children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it also sounds like, you know, I, I just read something recently about that. It seems like you've incorporated into your situation that, that, you know, having empathy for a client and their decisions is more important than telling them they did something wrong. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We always say, you know, we've got what we've got. We can't fix a past. What we can do is build a bridge to get you done and pay for all four years of college, have your student graduate with manageable student loan debt without robbing your retirement. Is that something you'd like help with? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, referrals for you, like you were saying, was not is is not really much of an issue. So it, it doesn't sound like you really have to do much. Do, do you do anything deliberate um, within the client relationship in, in regard to referrals, or are, are uh, is your professional network uh, cultivation um, providing you with what you need? Um, the professional network has been huge for us. I mean, we've got a couple of tremendous resources that refers to a lot of folks. Uh, and to be honest, we, we could do better at being more intentional with our clients and review meetings because once they work with us, you know, we have, you know, two to three meetings per year with them. And that's actually an area where I feel like we could actually probably engage people a little bit more. But I also know that, you know, we've kind of been clear on, you know, if you get a newsletter or you have content or, you know, you, you, there's stuff that you feel like somebody could benefit from, please forward it on. So we know it's effective, but it's actually we don't we don't browbeat people with it either. We just say, you know, if you know a college bound family uh, that could benefit from our resources, send them to the website. Yeah, well, and, and you know, I, 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 I'll, I, I wouldn't worry about being more aggressive about it because as long as you're as long as you're meeting your business goals by what you, you're bringing in, I, I think you're doing just fine. And I think you know what what Julie and I found in the study that we did last year was that you know that one of the most highly correlated things to higher referrals is just being really clear about who your target client is and talking about it frequently. And, and you do both of those. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's let's broaden this out before we wrap up because we're we're coming up on time. But I'm interested um, in your perspective. You know, given how successful you've been at this, and, and given um, you know how you've developed this, what advice would you give to somebody about um, about developing a niche who was not interested in the college funding space? You know, what what principles would you uh, commend to them? Yeah, I, th I referenced a couple of them before, uh, but I really do think it's, you know, is this a space you want to work with? Some people, this is just not an area they have any passion for. And you have to be passionate if you're going to be in a niche. Um, I think there's lots of studies out there that a uh, number of advisors are pretty miserable, uh, even especially as they've grown their practices, um, which I think is, is kind of sad because I think you can have a great practice and serve ideal clients that you love working with uh, and really solve a problem for them. So as you're, when you're looking at that, um, if you're looking at developing a niche, what technical expertise and what group of people would you love working with, uh, I think is, is the key. Uh, and then can you market it and be profitable in your area, right? So if I'd say like, what's your kind of do a market analysis? And we actually do that for advisors looking at our stuff. You know, can this be a market that's reasonable for you? Because if you want to work with corporate executives, it's probably not great if you live in rural Midwest, Right. So uh, you can have all the information and knowledge you want, but um, that's kind of the, the deal. So, you know, understand, uh, can you do a market analysis? Does it work where you're at? Um, and then I think another key when you're looking at um, a niche was, you know, if, if you do think you can do all those pieces, um, how soon and what is your be, be intentional? I would say if you're building a practice, have intentional success. So what does it look like, you know? So for what what I say is, you know, if you if you had a, a process that you could bring in only ideal clients as soon as possible, and over five year five or six year run, you could be at a hundred clients doing a you know a half million to you know uh, half million to six hundred thousand in revenue. Would that would that support a great life for you and your family? You know, so really just intentional success. What's the vision look like if you're bringing on clients on a consistent basis? What's the revenue you need? Um, to, to do that. And then 
you know, focus on just working with ideal clients that are in your market space. And I'm telling you, your, your job actually becomes much easier um, once you commit to that. That's what I would yeah. say. So. Well, that's, that's, well, that's, yeah, that's yeah. great. And, uh, you know, we've, we've gotten an amazing number of, of suggestions and tips out in this, and we can just keep talking about it for at least another hour, but we, we do have to wrap it up. So I know that you offer a course um, to teach financial advisors if they want to also become experts at college funding. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Tell people where they can find you? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, over the years, just uh, a number of advisors have called and had questions, and I was happy to provide that. But uh, we really just kind of said, let's just kind of take what's in my brain and put it into a course. Um, so the one thing is we've got a, we've actually got a free college funding crash course, um, which you can find at, uh, if you just go to capstonecollegepartners.com, CapstoneCollegePartners.com. That's kind of where you can find everything we're doing, uh, including access to the free course. So the free course, actually, we've we've incorporated two hours of CFP continuing education in there for that. And then the full course is really it's there's two pieces to it. One is um, how to get educated. So there's 10 hours on just all the nooks and crannies of financial aid and tax planning for college, all the pieces we put together, our pre-approval process. Um, and then uh, the second piece of that is supporting advisors in, in making this marketable and profitable. So, you know, there's pieces where there's, you know, uh, white label brochures and there's PowerPoints that you can use to go and have great conversations um, and raise the bar. So kind of what we're, the mission of Capstone College Partners um, is is really uh, that we've, we've done a great job and we serve our local community, but we really think we can raise the bar in college funding advice and that will help end the student loan crisis one family at a time. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Well, Joe, thanks very much for, for joining us today on, on the podcast and, and we appreciate your time and expertise and, uh, um, and, and thank you so much for sharing all that with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.